0: and i
1: Boards the shingles. This is the Money Fed Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler,
2: and I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: Call us now with your home improvement question. Call us now with your do-it-yourself dilemma. We know that you've got some projects lined up for this weekend. We're here to help you get the jobs done. Hey, here's something that you might want to avoid when you're tackling those outside home improvement projects: the whine, the bite, the ouch, the itch.
2: What is
3: that the working mosquitoes. with me? <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: See when I said wine you, I you thought just assumed it was me. You assumed it was you. <laughs> no, I'm talking about mosquitoes, you know, they're back and they're definitely trying to take a bite out of your backyard fun, but we can help you make that backyard a no bite zone because this hour we're going to have some tips to help you do just that.
2: Yeah. And along those lines, if you learn how to properly water your yard, you can actually help to keep those mosquitoes away. Coming up a little later this hour, we're going to tell you how to water so that you actually grow grass, not a bigger water bill, and a larger amount of mosquitoes to annoy and bite you all summer long.
1: That's right. The only thing that grows when you water your sidewalk is the size of your water bill. True. And we're going to have some tips on even more ways to enjoy those backyard spaces by learning the basics of outdoor kitchen design. Now, these outside kitchens are getting super popular, but you just can't take the stuff that's designed for an indoor kitchen and hook it up outside. Well, you could, but it probably wouldn't last that long. So we're going to have a great guest coming up at the bottom of the hour. Kevin Ayrton, the editor of Fine Home Building Magazine, is going to join us with nine essential tips for building your own outdoor kitchen.
2: And we've got a great prize for you all this hour. It certainly is a all-encompassing home improvement prize. It's the 12-volt lithium-ion-powered drill driver from our friends over at RYOBI. You can do pretty much every home improvement project with this. It's worth 79 bucks, but it could be yours for free.
1: So pick up the phone. Let's get to it. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first?
2: Wanda in Texas needs some help redoing some cabinets. What kind of project are you working on?
4: I'm considering redoing my cabinets in the kitchen and in the bathroom, and I heard of this project while I was listening to one of the do-it-yourself shows. It's called liquid sandpaper, and I was Mm -hmm. just wondering if you've ever heard of the product, and if so, do you recommend it?
2: Well, what type of cabinets are they? Are they solid wood? Are they laminate? And what are you trying to do to them? Do you want to restain them, or do you want to paint them?
1: I want to paint them, and they're solid wood. Hmm. Well, you use liquid sandpaper a lot. We've talked about that before. Yeah.
2: I'm just trying to think, you know, if they're solid wood and you want to paint them, pretty much what you need to do is really give them a good cleaning because mm-hmm. you want to make sure you get off any grit and dirt and yuck that's been on them over the years of usage, especially in a kitchen environment. Yeah, I know now, there's a
5: cleaner
4: for that, a TPS, or
5: TSP. Is TSP, that yes. that's
2: perfect. Then the liquid sander, what that is, you put it on with a um, sponge applicator or you can brush it on and it just sort of grits up the surface just enough, you know, rather than sanding it down to get to raw wood, but it does sort of open up the finish on the wood itself so that it's a lot more tolerant to whatever you're going to put on it. In this case, it would be a primer. And you want to make sure you use a very good primer, and then you want to go ahead and use a high-quality paint as well. I see. And
1: you take out the doors, and do you need to do the inside of the doors? Not necessarily. It's up to you. But, you know, it may look nicer that way because when the door is open, It'll all be the same color. Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. Or what you can do, um, first of all, when you take off the doors, you want to either leave the hinges on the door themselves or on the cabinet base and then label every cabinet to every door exactly where it came from, like A, A, B, B. This way you know exactly where things go and you're not trying to be like, oh, which hinges matches up to what? And you know exactly how things go. Now, for the backside, you can either take some fabric on some cardstock just so it's nice and thick or even some pretty wallpaper and you have like a nice Surface to adhere to, and then use upholstery tax just to. So when you open the door, you've got something pretty on the inside. Oh, or you can use idea. rolled up cork, so you have some place to put little notes or even chalkboard paint. That's a wonderful idea. Thank you for that. You're, You're welcome. So welcome. Okay, I appreciate that.
1: Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
2: Jim in New York, you've got the Money Pit. What can we do for you today?
1: Well, a
4: fella did some uh, cement work in my front yard. Okay, And he, he put down mortar. He was filling in some cracks, you know. And the mortar is so bright compared to the cement. And I don't want to put paint on it. But um, I would like to, you know, just tone it down where it's, you know, right as it is. It's, it's you know, like glaring at you,
1: you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, it's hard to uh, be strategic on this and, and just recolor the areas that were patched. What might be a better solution might be a a, a concrete dye.
2: There's a great website you should check out. It's called ConcreteSolutions.com, all one word, Concrete Solutions. And they have all of the dyes, the tools, the products, the instructions on how to do it. And everything is very reasonably priced. I mean, you can do simple things and you can go ultra creative and make some really beautiful, almost artistic installations with the concrete. It's totally up to you. Since it's sidewalk, you probably just want to make things uniform. But they have great products there.
1: You know, I love you guys. Thank you very much. And I'll be listening. All right. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
2: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Hey, pick up the phone and give us a call with your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1 888 Money Pit.
1: 888 666 3974. Up next, Mosquitoes. They can take a real bite out of your backyard fun. But, you know, there are a few simple things that you can do to totally reclaim your yard and your summer season. We're going to give you the buzz on those tips after this. You're You're listening listening to Extreme Extreme How-To Radio.
0: Well, if
1: the last building inspector that showed up in your house ran out the door screaming, that's probably not a good thing. Maybe you should call us because this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: Call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. We're going to give you a tool to help tackle some of those home improvement projects around your house because one caller this hour is going to win the 12-volt lithium-ion drill driver from Ryobi. It holds a charge four times longer, and you always have power when you need it. It's lighter, it's more compact, so it's totally easy to handle. It's worth 79 bucks. If you want to win it, you must call us right now and have a home improvement question and be willing to come on the air. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT.
2: Yeah, pick up the phone, give us a call, tell us what you're working on. Maybe you're getting ready to get outside and enjoy all of this beautiful, almost summer weather that we've been experiencing across the country. And if you're doing so and getting outside, you might be noticing some pesky little pests ruining Pretty much any outdoor activity, especially if you're me, I get bit by mosquitoes like crazy. I swear they just love me. I don't know about you, Tom, but I'm always walking around with welts because, of course, what do I do? As soon well, as Leslie I get a bite? is one of
1: their favorite flavors, I hear. I
2: hear. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, but anytime I get a bite, I immediately start scratching. So you really want to prevent the mosquitoes forming and coming to life in your yard before you get to the scratching phase. And it's true, mosquitoes only need a few days in freestanding water. That can be in a bucket, a kiddie pool. A toy turned upside down to go ahead and then lay their eggs, and then they wreak havoc on your backyard. So, to prevent this, eliminate any areas of standing water that you're going to find around the yard, including clogged gutters, flower pots, bird baths, kids' play toys. Even the amount of water that collects in a plastic bottle cap, you know how tiny that is? can be a breeding ground for hundreds of mosquitoes. So get rid of that water, and then you'll see immediately what a difference you will have in mosquito population in your own backyard.
1: And you know, there's another backyard pest that's not a nuisance, but it can be pretty dangerous. In the next edition of the Money Pit's free e-newsletter, we're going to talk to you about why you might be concerned about fire ants. And we're going to give you some tips to help get rid of them. If you don't get the e-newsletter, go to moneypit.com right now and sign up today. It's free. comes out every Friday morning. No spam. We guarantee it. And I think you'll find lots of useful information there. Again, that's the Money Pit's free e-newsletter at moneypit.com. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where you can also call in your question right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Leslie,
2: who's next? randy in texas needs some help with a brick project what happened
4: well i have recently downsized houses and uh i've got this place that was built i guess in the uh, late 70s and it's got a neat fireplace in it that goes through uh, it's a double-sided it goes from the living room area into the dining room area and uh i guess whoever had the place before me decided uh they didn't like the brick look and painted it all white
2: yay <laughs> terrible and
4: it's nice and ugly now and And I'm trying to decide whether I want to uh, just take it down to the brick or put on some slate tile or something like that that would uh, make it look better. And uh, I just know that I need to get that paint off before I can do anything to it. So I'm trying to find the best way to get that paint off of there.
2: How much time and energy you got?
4: (laughs) I got all kinds of time. And... uh, Energy-wise, well, it depends on what day you take
2: me on. <laughs> I tell you, there is not a thing out there except professional sandblasting that's going to get that paint oh, off. Okay. Yeah,
4: yeah, you might I just want to think of a new
1: decorating scheme.
2: <laughs> Can't you adhere a slate or some sort of um, stone facing on top of the paint?
1: Sure. What about one of those Owens Corning products? That would look good. You great.
2: know, that's true. Owens Corning came out with a new interior product. They had one outside called... Um, cultured stone veneer. But there's an interior version of it that's far lighter weight. And it's made, I mean, it's not real stone. It's like compressed concrete to make it look like real stone. And the color is all through it. And it comes sort of in a swatch of different colors to make up this beautiful tonation. And they do river rock and flagstone. And it installs super easy. And that's a great application for a fireplace.
1: And the thing is, Randy, if you did go through all that work to remove the paint, you might find out that there was a reason that they painted right. it to begin with. That's the with. other
4: thing I'm afraid of. Now, yeah. what do you have to do to make that, uh, that product adhere to it, then? I mean, do you use a, a regular mastic?
1: It's a mastic adhesive. It's very lightweight. It's easy to do, and it's easy to mm-hmm. cut. And I think that that's probably the best solution mm-hmm. for you. And
2: their website gives a ton of very detailed directions, including what type of adhesive and you know how to apply it, depending on which uh, cultured stone you choose. But make sure you look at their interior product.
1: All right. Well, I appreciate your help very much. Thank you. You're welcome, Randy. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
2: Kim in New Hampshire, welcome to the Money Pit. What's going on at your Money Pit today?
5: Hi. Um, I have a closed-in porch. But um, it's attached to a mobile home, but it's not really attached. Okay. It's like one roof, but...
2: So the roof connects the two pieces, but the main body of the porch is not connected.
5: Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, we have to keep lifting it up um, every couple of years Mm -hmm. because it's on cement blocks right now with the...
1: And they keep what, sinking in the soil? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because it doesn't have a foundation. So... Um, that's not uncommon.
5: Is there like a, a more permanent Yeah, if you had,
1: um, the ability to dig down into the soil there and you would want to get at least, uh, if you could possibly three feet below the soil and you poured some concrete footings and then you had a column that went down right to that, that would support it without moving because it's on top of the soil with rain and everything, it's going to continue to move.
5: Okay. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
5: Dorothy in Illinois, welcome to the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? Uh, yes, I was basically calling about a problem I'm having in my dining room. I'm living okay. in a home that is about 65 years old, and I decided that I hated the wallpaper in the dining room and thought that I would just remove the wallpaper. I just didn't realize the problem I was going to get into. Uh, First of all, I had to go through seven layers of wallpaper. Wow. Once I got all the wallpaper off, I realized that as I was taking the final couple layers off, actually what was underneath that I thought was drywall is actually plaster. Mm.
1: Do you know if the plaster is on a wood lath?
5: Yes, it's on wood Wow. And pieces of the plaster have fallen off with the wallpaper. Mm-hmm. So yeah, now that I have holes. And my concern is, how do I repair the holes so that I can paint or re-wallpaper?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to obviously have to repair the plaster. And the best way to do that is with a plaster mix. You can use spackle, but if you got real plaster and mixed it up, it's probably going to adhere better. Mm-hmm than the spackle would to the old plaster. Is
2: there any prep that needs to be done to the edge of this, you know, tear in the plaster, if you will, to make sure that it's susceptible?
1: I I would probably, because you don't know what's on that surface, I'd probably sand it a little bit as a final step Mm -hmm. before I patched it. But here's a really important step after you get it all patched up. I would Mm -hmm. recommend that you prime the entire wall with a good quality oil-based primer, not a water-based, but an oil-based primer, because that's going to seal that in. You're going to have different levels of porosity on that wall. Some's going to be more absorbent than others. And if you don't prime it, you're going to find that the paint on top of that is not going to have an even finish. So repair it with plaster and then prime it and you'll be good
3: to go. Time to
2: talk flooring with Vincent, Colorado. What's going on at your money pit?
3: Well, I have a, a galley style kitchen, and um, I guess it's a galley style. It's long and kind of long narrow. and narrow. <laughs> it's about it's about two hundred square feet. I had uh, I did measure it, and um, so anyway, I'm looking at flooring options, and we've been looking at uh, laminate flooring.
1: Yeah, it's a great choice for a kitchen.
3: Um, my one of my biggest things was I had a local company here that they provide installation as well, and they. They had some material that I was interested in, and they sent one of their installers out, who was actually a contractor, and he went through the, um, looked at the flooring and walked around on it and checked it out, and he said it wasn't flat enough, and um, he he suggested pulling up the existing linoleum floor, and pulling up the subfloor, and using a leveling compound, and he and his bid before um, installation of the floor was about sixteen hundred dollars, and then another. I mean, I think 400 more with the installation, and then I would buy the materials.
1: Wow. How old is your house?
3: Well, that's what I was wondering. Cause it's not that old. It's, um, I think it was built in 82, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Man, I, I tell you something. I put lavender floors down in lots of houses, including in my 122-year-old farmhouse. Oh, wow. And those floors got more waves in it than the Atlantic Ocean.
3: <laughs> and it,
1: it laid over it just fine. I mean, I can see where it sort of bent over the, the saggy parts. Or the parts that were sort of humped, but it worked just fine. It was very durable, especially the lock together kind um, and so unless your floor is grossly out of level, yeah. then I don't think you need to go through all that and in fact, you can go to the website of the manufacturer, you can look at the installation instructions, and they will tell you exactly what the tolerance is that they recommend. It's usually going to be like you know an eighth inch out on four feet or something of that nature. And if your house was built in 1982, it would be very unlikely that you had a a seriously out-of-level floor. The worst thing that you could have is perhaps a floor joist that was crowned and maybe a little high in one place. But it sounds to me like what this guy is recommending is total overkill and perhaps just an opportunity for him to get another job out of you.
3: That's kind of what I was thinking.
1: Yeah, you know what? If it smells like it, it probably is.
2: Alrighty money pit listeners. Coming up next, we are gonna have for you nine rules for outdoor kitchen design that you're gonna wanna follow because they will make sure that your outside eatery looks great, works right, and lasts a super duper long time. Stick around.
0: You live in a money pit! The money Fit is brought to you by Bear Premium Plus Ultra Exterior Paint and Primer in One with advanced NanoGuard technology to help you save time and money while preserving your home's exterior finish. For more information, visit bear.com. That's B-E-H-R.com. Behr products are available exclusively at The Home Depot. Now, here are Tom and Leslie.
1: Making good homes better, welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
0: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: Call us right now with your home improvement question. Call us with your do-it-yourself dilemma. Call us. If you love to cook outside, because that's what we're going to talk about next. You know, we've all seen the photos of the sleek cooktops and the mahogany ice chests that look like they have no business living outside, exposed to the elements year-round. In many cases, they don't.
2: Well, if you're even thinking about planning an outdoor kitchen, you need to remember that the key word here, folks, is outdoor. That's why we've got Fine Home Building editor Kevin Ayrton joining us to outline the essentials of long-lasting and practical outdoor kitchen design. Do those even go hand in hand Kevin
4: Well
6: they do but of course it takes money. Now when I put in a light over my grill I thought I was you know living high on the hog. <laughs> <laughs> these days we're publishing outdoor kitchens in our magazine that look better than the kitchen I've got indoors.
1: Wow
2: And they're full rooms. they're sort of these outdoor hangout zones with fire pits and the most amazingly well-stocked kitchen in the world. So how do you start what kind of materials do you even lean towards to make sure you're getting something that's durable?
6: Well, you are exactly right. Keyword is outdoors. So you've got to make sure that whatever materials you out- use outside are going to be bulletproof, whether it's the sun, the rain, or freeze-thaw cycles in the, you know, in the north. You can't use laminated materials outside because they're going to come apart. You want to stick with vitreous tile, stone, concrete, stainless steel, Or tropical hardwoods.
1: Now, Kevin, when you use these materials outside, I mean, I would imagine you also have to take drainage into account. Uh, A flat surface may not necessarily be one that wears the best if it's outside because the water is just going to hang there. So, do you have to sort of build in a slight pitch even to say workspaces?
6: You sure do. You want every surface that could possibly get wet. Even if it's under a roof, you're going to get windblown rain. So, you want a slope of about one quarter inch for every two feet.
2: Now, if you're under a roof, though, even if it's just some sort of like covered area, not protected on all sides, do you sort of associate the design with your interior kitchen? And then what do you do about placement and smoke coming into the house?
6: You've got a trade-off you have to deal with. If you build right next to the house, then you can take advantage of the gas lines there. Electricity is going to be there. You've got a wall that you can put light fixtures on. Uh, and in that case, you do want the design to kind of match up well with the house. Sometimes running the same flooring material out the door, if it's covered by a roof, you can get away with. Other times having an element like a shelf that can appear to to run inside and match up with one outside helps tie the two together. But you do have to worry about smoke from the grill. That's a big one. So if it's outdoors the wind is going to get at it. So you've got to make sure that it's downwind of the house and any seating area that's outside.
1: We're talking to Kevin and He's the editor of Fine Home Building Magazine. Their issue on newsstands now has a great article about building a practical outdoor kitchen. Now, Kevin, uh, these are great tips for while you're, while you're building the kitchen. Let's say the winter comes around, how do we make sure that the products that we put in can stand the whole winter so that they'll be ready to rock and roll next summer again?
6: One of our experts says you've got to have a sink outside. So if you have a sink, then you're going to have to drain those water lines, otherwise they're going to run risk of freezing. You also want to shut off any gas lines, um, and you want to, you know, close up those, get all the food out of there, close up the cabinets well, because of course, You know, dust and critters can get into those outdoor cabinets.
1: Do you recommend wrapping uh, the appliances and that sort of thing with uh, with protective covers?
6: I think it's a good idea. I mean, the sun and the and the rain and the snow it's just going to beat that stuff up.
1: But there's two schools of thought on that, Kevin, because, you know, for years I used to see people, for example, wrap outside air conditioning compressors in the winter. But then a manufacturer told me once that that actually can void the warranty because it promotes condensation.
6: Tom, my air conditioner is covered right now. I better, <laughs> ch- I better check on that. I had never heard that. But it does make sense. I mean, those units are designed to be outside. You know, a lot of the grills at least do come with a cover. So that implies... To me, that some protection is a good idea.
1: Well, if your air conditioner is still running, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, complain then. Kevin Ireton, the editor of Fine Home Building magazine, thanks for providing us some great tips on long-lasting and practical outdoor kitchen design. If you want more information on an outdoor kitchen, you can pick up the latest edition of Fine Home Building's Great Kitchens issue. It's on newsstands now, or you can also go to their website at finehomebuilding.com. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you.
2: Hey, you know what the best accessory is to your beautiful brand spanking new outdoor kitchen? What would that be? How about a nice green lawn? (laughs) That would work. Nothing's going to look better than a green lawn with your new kitchen. So when you water your lawn, are you actually helping your grass grow or only your water bill grow? Coming up, we're going to tell you how to get the most out of your outdoor water usage.
1: And here's something else that might look great outside. How about a $5,000 makeover? Well, you can win one with ThermaTru's Ugliest Door in America contest available right now at MyUglyDoor.com. We'll have the details next.
0: Is being brought to you by Defense by Have a Heart. Defense is a powerful, ready to use odor repellent formulated to protect your shrubs, ornamentals, and landscaping from damaging rabbits and deer. Defense dries odorless to humans, and it's from Have a Heart, the company committed to carrying control for pets and wildlife. For more info, go online to Have H A V A H A R T.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie.
1: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
0: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: And hey, is your front door looking perhaps a little worse for wear? Or maybe you have a back door or a patio door that's stuck all the time. Maybe it's been patched up one too many times. Well, if so, you need to go to myuglydoor.com right now and enter the Ugliest Door in America contest sponsored by ThermaTrue Doors.
2: Yeah, that's right. This is really exciting. ThermaTru Doors is launching their fourth annual search for the ugliest door in America. They're going to pick two grand prize winners who are going to receive ThermaTru door makeovers with a retail value of up to $5,000. If you want all the details, there's a great website to go visit. It's myuglydoor.com.
1: And there actually are two ways to enter. You can write an essay about why you think you have the ugliest door in America and send it in with a couple of pictures of your door. Or you can produce a one-minute video. Details are at my myuglydoor.com. Enter today, and you can read about uh, the winners from past years. And you know what? It's called the ugliest door in America contest, but let's face it, some of those doors were not the ugliest doors I've ever seen. So hey, you may have a chance to win if perhaps you're just a little bit of an ugly door on your house. They may send in a crew that will replace it with a beautiful ThermaTru door worth up to 5000 bucks. Details at myuglydoor.com. Let's get back to the phones. The number is one Money Pit. Who's next?
2: Donna in California needs some help with a remodeling project. What's going on?
5: Uh, we're remodeling our kitchen, and my husband would prefer it if we did not replace all the kitchen tile. He just wants to add on to the existing tile to extend the bar. So needless to say, we're trying to find grout that matches some grout from quite a few
1: years back? Uh, It's very difficult to get grout to match because even if you had, you know, the original bag of grout that you put in, obviously with all the wear and the tear and the cleaning of the tile over the years, it does tend to discolor. And if you put new grout in that new section, it would be dramatically different. Now, the good news is, you know, give it a year or two would probably end up being the same. But the other thing that you could do is uh, if you did clean the old grout and then put the new stuff in, you could probably stain it. Using a concrete stain.
2: Yeah, or it's like a, a grout dye or a grout tint, they call it, and you can apply it right to existing dried grout, and it totally, you know,
5: paints it. Oh, well where would I find that kind of product? You know, Donna, there's actually a
2: great online resource you should look at, and it's simply titled groutdye.com. And when you snoop around the website, you'll see there's a color chart, and I think they offer something like 17 or 20 colors. They're custom mixed at the time of order, so you know that everything's fresh and the colorant's going to be really adherent and, and stick to the grout. And it goes on with either a toothbrush or a special applicator bottle. And it seems like it's a really easy product to apply and it should give you the results you're looking for.
1: Yeah, Donna, just make sure you follow the manufacturer's instructions on that because you want to make sure that that old grout is super clean before you put this on so you get good and even adhesion uh, and absorption from the old to the new. And then it's all going to match.
5: Excellent. Excellent. Thank you guys very much.
1: You're welcome, Donna. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
2: Jerry in North Carolina, how can we help you today?
3: I have a basement that is damp and I want to put dry lock on the concrete block wall down there. The previous owner had painted it. Okay. Do you have a some sort of a recommendation as to getting that paint off of the wall?
1: Well, a couple of things you can do. First of all, the reason you have a damp basement needs to be addressed. And putting a water-resistant paint or sealer on the walls is not the only way to address it.
2: It's like the last step, actually. Yeah, it
1: is. the very last step. It's not the first step. But, you know, what you're doing, Jerry, is not that unusual. Most people want to try to seal those walls as if they could eventually allow your house to float. But that ain't going to happen. So what you want to do is look outside and look at the grading and the drainage around that foundation perimeter. You want to make sure that the soil is sloping away from the wall walls on all sides. And then the other thing you want to do is look at the gutter system. Make sure it's clean, it's free-flowing, and it's moving the water away from the house. Now, that doesn't mean dumping it into the two-foot-long splash block that's typically at the corners of everybody's house. If you have a damp basement problem, you need to put extensions on those leaders and get them out away from the house. Now, if you've done those things, that's going to reduce the volume of moisture. Back to your paint question, I would simply suggest that you wire brush to get the loose paint off so you don't have any flaking paint. And then you prime the walls with an oil-based primer. The primer is designed to stick to the raw concrete. It's designed to stick to the old paint. It'll give you a neutral surface and then you could put a top coat over that. But I would follow those steps in that order. Start outside, then work to the inside. And I think if you do those both, you're going to find that place to be a lot drier moving forward.
3: Okay. Well, I thank you very kindly.
1: You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit.
2: Hey, if you haven't yet, it is definitely time to crank up that sprinkler system to get your beautiful lawn looking lush once more. But when and where and how much water you use on your lawn can mean the difference between a full green lawn or an empty wallet for you. Here's what you need to know. You want to water early in the day, which is going to prevent evaporation. Then make sure you adjust all of your sprinkler heads so that you avoid watering the driveway and the sidewalks. And remember that you should use a timer on your sprinklers to limit the amount of water usage to only what is actually needed.
1: Yeah, good point, because the only thing that grows when you water your sidewalk is the size of your water bill. <laughs> and the uh, and the only thing that leaks is your wallet. So it's mm-hmm. important to water accurately. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, we're going to tackle some email questions. In this hour, they're all about the outside of the home. Now's a great time to get out there and tackle some of those projects. We're going to get to that after this. <laughs>
0: Money Pit is being brought to you by Guardian Home Standby Generators, America's choice in power outage protection. Learn more at guardiangenerators.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie.
1: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where we make good homes better. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: And Father's Day is a perfect time to start a new tradition with your kids. Home Improvement Projects, do it together. You know, we tackled a project uh, this past weekend, me and my boys, we uh, put in a garden fence. That's a fun project. Doing those sorts of things with your kids creates memories that can last a lifetime. If you'd like a list of projects that I think might be easy to tackle with your kids, go to my column on AOL. It's at moneypit.aol.com. And we're going to give you some tips on projects that you can tackle with your kids that will deliver some good home improvements and some great memories all at the same time. It's at moneypit.aol.com.
2: And you know what they're also such great confidence boosters and who doesn't love spending time with their dad doing great projects on the weekend so it's a good win-win situation for everybody all around and when you're not tackling home improvement projects and you're surfing the web in your next free moment go to moneypit.com you can look up everything we've ever written type in a topic research any project you might be thinking about working on or even tackling right now and you can also email us a question you can click on the ask Tom and Leslie icon and shoot us an email like debbie did in brooklyn who writes i have a fiberglass exterior door which was stained i believe it was done improperly in the first place it seems to be flaking or fading in spots and needs to be redone can it be stripped and then restained or should i just paint it at this point if so what the heck can i do
1: Interesting question. Um, I actually happen to know that the folks at ThermaTru doors who actually invented the fiberglass door like over 25 years ago, they patented a special stain for fiberglass. And I remember talking to the, the researcher that developed it and learned the stain that you use in a fiberglass door is actually quite different than, say, the wood stain, which is typically available in uh, stores. And the reason is because the stain for the door has to have less pigment And the stain for the wood, which makes sense because fiberglass doesn't absorb. Mm -hmm. So I suspect, Debbie, that your previous painter may have used an improper stain on that door. Now, the good news is because the fiberglass is not absorbent, it's easy to strip off all of that stain with an appropriate paint stripper or or a stain stripper. So you should be able to get most of that off and then restain the door. You might want to go to thermatrue.com and see if you can order up some of their stain or find it at another location because it is a very special stain that's used for fiberglass doors. But the cool thing is that when you do it right, man, it looks just like wood. It looks fantastic. I love those ThermaTru doors because they look just like wood. And it's super durable.
2: All right. We've got another one here from Debbie in McCordsville, Indiana, who writes, when it rains here, the rain overshoots the gutter system installed on our eight-year-old house. The rainwater pours, imagine a small waterfall off the roof (laughs) onto the drive deck front door area. Gutters aren't blocked by leaves or other clutter, and the gutters do have guards over them. But even when the guards were not in place, rainwater waterfalls were an event in most rains.
1: I suspect, Debbie, that you have a very steep roof and you have a very small gutter.
2: Like small gutter as in? narrow in protruding yeah, from the house.
1: Right. As in perhaps a four inch gutter when this house may in fact call for like a six inch gutter. And when you put gutter guards on top of that, they work great, but they do tend to reduce the amount of flow into the gutter. So all of that volume of water coming down is just going to bounce right off them. So this is a situation where you probably need a new gutter or certainly a new gutter design.
2: All right. Hope that helps, Debbie.
1: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. Gosh, we covered a lot of ground, but the show continues right now online at moneypit.com. You can go there, you can listen to our podcast, you can download past shows, search the transcripts for the answers to your home improvement questions. That's there 24 hours a day, seven days a week to help you out. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself, but you don't have to do it alone.